1: Will you be one of those who hear, who believe? This, our closing song, the, the first verse says, whosoever heareth, shout, shout the sign. That's what we've been trying to do tonight. Send the blessed tidings all the world around. Spread the joyful news wherever man is found. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will. Whosoever will, send the blessed tidings over Vale and Hill. Tis the loving Father calls the wanderer home. Whosoever will, may come.
2: It was in the Dickensian era of mid-Victorian London when public hangings attracted large eager crowds that William Booth laid the groundwork for the Salvation Army. Welfare states were undreamed of and children of eight years and up worked 12 and 14 hours a day in the mines and mills. The Industrial Revolution was luring agricultural workers away from the countryside into the densely crowded quarters of the cities which quickly became slums. Schooling was non-existent. Untaxed gin was a penny a glass And while the new industrialists became wealthy and respectable pillars of their churches, the poor lived like outcasts in their own country. The system needed a pool of spare labor, so they competed hotly for the right to work for near-starvation wages, 16 hours a day, 6 days a week. Drunkenness, even among children, was common. Crime was rampant. It was clear that the conventional Protestant churches were not getting to grips with this problem So Booth resigned his comfortable living as a Methodist parson to move among the poor, preaching to them in their own surroundings, stables, bowling alleys and the like. In 1878, with his wife beside him, he named his mission the Salvation Army and he organized it along military lines with himself as general. In 1880, they moved into Ireland and the United States. Today it operates in 82 countries, running hospitals, clinics, leper colonies, homes for the handicapped and alcoholics, and hostels for the destitute. They minister to people of all creeds. But it must be remembered that care for the needy is the means, not the end. The Salvation Army is an evangelical mission, a religious denomination in itself, a form of Protestantism, and its object is to spread the gospel and increase its flock.
1: Dear friends, tonight we have brought you but a glimpse of the gospel, but a glimpse of the glorious truths contained in the scriptures. And we will invite you, if your interest has been wedded, to join with us now as we proceed back to our hall in Lower Abbey Street for our meeting which will commence in, at 7 o'clock. We don't want you to come in any sort of finery. We just want you to come as you are. The gospel is for whoever wants to hear, for whoever wants to listen. If you want to join with us, that invitation is open to you, to our worship together in the Salvation Army Hall in Lower Abbey Street. The final verse that we will sing together before we close this meeting in prayer says these words, Whosoever will, the promise is secure. Whosoever will forever shall endure. Whosoever will, tis life forevermore. Whosoever will may come. <laughs>
3: Salvationists. Uh, I share with William Booth the fact that I'm a first-generation Salvationist, Norman, having no members of my family connected with the army at all. Captain John Brooke Smith, who is a senior Salvation
2: Army officer in the Republic of Ireland.
3: There are some, as you know, two million Salvationists, and the bulk of those are lay persons. But uh, the growing conviction about society and the spiritual needs of society was such that. I felt called to the ministry, and I then found myself, after my training, commissioned as a Salvation Army officer. In the course of that period of time, in the early days as an officer, I met the young lady who is now my wife, John. She too was a Salvation Army officer. I ought to qualify perhaps the difference between the two. The lay Salvationist has his own employment, or her own employment. The Salvation Army officer is, if you like, the priesthood structure of the Salvation Army and uh, a man officer can only marry a woman officer. Uh, Failing to do that would automatically mean that I would have to resign uh, my commission. We're commissioned as Salvation Army officers, or commissioned, if you like, as accredited ministers of religion. That goes right back to the New Testament. Um, It would be true to say that my appointment to Ireland was like every other appointment. When we become Salvation Army officers, we commit ourselves to go where and when the Salvation Army so chooses. Generally speaking, in the month of May, we are told we're moving. A week from the day, we're told we're told where we're going. And a fortnight from that day, we arrive in our new appointment to take up whatever our responsibilities happen to be. Prior to coming here, I spent some six years in Northern Ireland and then came here to the south. And I must say that in both cases, I've been absolutely delighted, happy to be here. The people have been most friendly. Some folks say to me, how do you feel about being in a Catholic country? The Salvation Army has never from its inception as to man's religion. I, I see people as people, and I like to think that they see me just exactly the same way. And it's evident by the support that the Salvation Army has that the Catholic people of Ireland have a higher regard for us. That, of course, puts the onus back on me. I have a great deal to live up to. And it means that my forefathers have done a good job by living out the Christian gospel.
4: And I jumped at the idea. We went into a street and uh, it seemed absolutely empty. And then from out of boxes came men, living men, and we served soup to them. We stopped three times and ended at Charing Cross. I was very pleasantly surprised by the way the men just lined in an orderly fashion. There was no pushing, no shoving, no grabbing as they took the bread and the soup um, and the crisps that we had to give. But when I read that song, it made me think they were getting bread. Some of them said, can I have a bit more and I'll put it in my pocket and I'll keep it for breakfast. But if only they knew about the bread that God gave, about the living bread of Jesus Christ. Again, as we've been going around different shops this week, many, many have said to me, well, why are you doing it? What's the Salvation Army all about? And it's been my privilege to say we are an evangelical (coughs) organisation. We preach about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is the only reason why we're here. From very ordinary things has come the opportunity to talk about the Lord I love and serve. I pray that as we go back, that as commissioning does come, that as we... Learn more about the love of God. That in everything I do, people may see something of God's love in my life. They may want to question me about the love of God, and that they might find that love for themselves. They might find the living bread that Christ gives. Thank you. The second verse of course. <coughs> ah.
3: To any of the 68 countries in which we operate, we have, for example, here our hostel accommodation for men in the city of Dublin. That would give us something like 800 uh, men a week we would provide uh, beds for. We would provide in the city of Dublin some 2,000 meals per week, probably a little over, but that would certainly be the main course meals. We also have uh, in the city here on the north side some accommodation for uh, young girls on probation. They are brought to us by the probation department and in conjunction with the Department of Justice we would care for these girls, giving them accommodation, hopefully some basic training, and it's in most cases we attempt to find employment for them. You can appreciate that that's all important to them. It's a very difficult area in this day and age. We have a number of uh, various departments which are attached to my office here. As administrator I oversight our public relations department. This in fact does is a twofold department. One it hopefully gives information and as a result of that information the result is income to award the various activities because you will appreciate the financing of the South Army of the Republic is considerable. Here last year some two hundred and seventy thousand pounds uh, would be something like running costs here in the city and that doesn't include the uh, capital expenditure. So you know therefore from that statement we largely depend on the general public to support our work and that comes from uh, youngsters at school to local parish priests to some folks who've been donors for 20, 30, 40 years. And that's the sort of a background that the public relations department would uh, deal with. We would show films in the schools and in various other centres there's our Missing Persons Department, which operates from here. Again, that's in conjunction with our International Missing Persons Department. The bureau for that is in London. Probably in Ireland here, we would deal with some four to 500 cases. That would be new cases. That's from the Irish end. We would have the others coming, the flow from the other direction, trying to trace people here. But we would have something like four to 500 cases a year. The solved cases... Uh, in our statistics suggest are something like 600 a month so that in itself is pretty time consuming but we find that most people are extremely helpful there's another a number of departments that they uh, come under our offices locally our hostels of course that i've mentioned previously are managed by our officers there hi frank
5: hello the for the week, you
6: want a book for the week yeah. it's room 108 isn't it 108. Yeah. okay frank there you are That's pound one, twenty franc. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. There's your ticket.
5: Thank you. <coughs> when my mother died in 1974, I arrived at the Ivy hostel. I was there for a year. Then a friend of mine took me out of it. forty forty he took me out of the... Uh, rang up this place, he already had a bed so we got word to move in here and I'm happy ever since here. I come up in the morning half past seven go down for my breakfast come back up again, have a wash go out for a ramble come back in again for my dinner half past twelve I go upstairs tidy up and I go out do a little bit of work then come arrive back in here at seven o'clock stay in for the night I'd have a look at the tele. i if it a fine night, I might go out again for a ramble round. I might have a, a not a bottle, a Guinness, if I feel like it, like and then come back again at 10 o'clock, you're in into bed, and do the same thing the next morning. Up again at half seven, down for me breakfast, back up again, and go out. And the same thing again for me dinner, come back at half twelve. That's the same thing for Monday the Sunday. Sun.
2: And you uh, come to the
5: services here? Not tomorrow, I go to my own service in St. Anne's and Dawson Street.
7: When, you, uh, when your mother died, was it that you had nowhere to go or that you preferred to Well, I didn't to go like the place. Well, there
5: were gangs around, you know, these muggers and everything, you know. And you didn't want to live on your own I didn't anyway? Want to live on my own. That's the important thing. Important. I, want to, I want to talk to people, you know, to to talk to people.
2: And you have, over the years, made friends here? I've made a lot of friends. And you've made, set, you're settled here? Settled here. And you have any desire to leave here? There. No
5: uh, they want a desire,
2: but I have no desire. You don't want to go don't back see. and set up in your own bed, sitter anyway. No. You're quite happy I'm here. Quite really happy here.
6: I'm in charge of this hostel and I take in hundred and thirteen men who are classed as the single homeless in Dublin. Now these men range from an age of eighteen to seventy. The majority are in the fifties, late forties, fifties and early sixties. There's quite a good percentage work who go out every day and work, quite a few do casual work. We only have about five men, which I wouldn't call regulars in the hostel. The rest are permanent men, some who have lived for 20 and even 30 years in this hostel under the care of the Salvation Army. The 130 men who live in the hostel each have their own cubicle, which to someone who is normal, isn't very much being four walls, a bed, a little wardrobe, a chair, but one of the things what all the men do like in this hostel is each man has his own light which shines downwards from the wall. Where it differs from many other hostels on a night time no one pulls the fuse out and these men if awake during the night can sit and read a book in the privacy of their own room. Every man who books into the hostel books in for bed and breakfast for a week. It is part of our policy that a man should at least have one good meal a day, and that being his breakfast, and he pays for that as he books in. After breakfast, if a man wishes, he could have his lunch in the hostel or his tea, which are both cooked meals. We also do a Meals on Wheels service for the old people who live in our district and also do subsidised meals which the Eastern Health Board pay for. We get quite a few of people in the hostel from the neighbourhood, quite a few old ladies and old men who not only stay for their meal but will sit afterwards and chat to the residents or to myself or to anyone really who will take time to listen to them. We have also in the hostel we have a television room which is supposedly strictly for residents only but of course after a man has had his meal Mm -hmm. you can't really stop him going to watch his favorite program on the television so we get quite a few in a night time watching the television i find that they will watch anything from higher maths to the latest football results they vary in their interests as they vary in their shapes and sizes we have quite a few men from all over Ireland, from down country, as they say, from Cork, Curry, and we have quite a few men from Northern Ireland who have come down to Dublin to find work. We also at this present time have a boy from the Ivory Coast, we have a man from New Zealand and we have just had a man who left last week who came from Sweden. So as you can see we have a quite a variety of men in the hostel. They are good men really. I am quite privileged to have the best hostel in the city of Dublin as far as trouble is concerned. There has been virtually no trouble in this hostel for the two years where I have been manager. There has been no violence, no outbreak of violence or nothing like that. I am not saying that the men in this hostel are angels. Like men in most hostels they all have a problem or they wouldn't be here in the first place. And if we look into it closely, we would find that maybe the problem would not be drink, would be related to drink one way or another. They are good men who just need caring for.
3: It would be interesting too, I'm sure, to the Irish people to know that the Salvation Army as a limited company was set up here in 1982 and we're about to, we're now moving into our first 12 months as a separate unit. This is not peculiar of course, it is merely bringing the Republic in line with all the other countries in which the, the Salvation Army operates. We have always recognised a sovereign state, whatever we happen to be and we have a growing working relationship with the various government departments. And that of course would be through my own office here. If of course we ourselves talk about our social and evangelical, I wouldn't like you to ever think for one moment that they are separate departments. One naturally gives birth to the other. John in his gospel says, if you love people, don't go on talking about it show it in action. And so therefore, if we talk about the two, it's because we believe the Lord has put them together and that which the Lord has put together, we have no intentions of breaking asunder. And so that work of the Salvation Army, which has gone on for over a hundred years here in the city of Dublin, I think will continue. In some cases, in the social front, regrettably, because in an increasing society of progression in so many fields, one would think that the need for the Salvation Army as a social unit would long since have gone. In fact, the, the reverse is evident. And we've moved from very much the poorest and the dying out to many middle-class working people are coming to us now with needs.
1: God's love to me is wonderful, that he should deign to hear the faintest whisper of my heart wipe from mine eyes the tear. And though I cannot comprehend such love so great, so deep, in his strong hands my soul I trust, He will not fail to keep. God's love is wonderful. Wonderful that he should give his son to die for me. God's love is wonderful.
8: 17, I left home and I came to Navan. Then I got into trouble and was brought to court and they got me in contact with probation officers and they got in contact with the Salvation Army in Dublin and it's a hostel. So I started living there since January 82 and there are six other girls that live there and um, we have our meals there, we have as much, all the time as we can do what we want mostly there are a few rules that you be in by 11 o'clock every night unless have a late pass there's a lot of um, girls who, who live there sort of they work as well, and I work uh, part-time in catering business, and I also help out with Salvation Army as much as I can.
2: Did you know anything about the Salvation Army before you had contact with them this way?
8: No, I never even heard about them, never till in Navan.
2: And what sort of impression have they the created on you now?
8: A very good one. I think that they're very helpful and very kind, and the religion has certainly sunk into me.
2: And you were previously a Catholic, Deirdre.
8: Yes, I was.
2: And how do you feel now about the Salvation Army, which, of course, is a separate religion?
8: It's just an awful lot more for me. It means an awful lot more. It's more warmer than the Catholic religion was.
2: And do you attend the services? I do. On a regular basis?
8: Every single Sunday.
2: And you feel you're getting something spiritual out of it? I do. As well as material?
8: Yes, I do. The other girls are from the same sort of background as I have and they're very, very friendly and very easy to get on with and some of them work and more of them just help out with the Salvation Army appeal and they do general work for them, like um, sale of works and things like that. And
2: um, do you take an active part in the Salvation Army, do you work for them at all?
8: I you know, done functions like the time we had um, Jewish people here and I did work for about a week in the men's hostel just and um, anything that goes on that we can have we do, certainly.
2: And you regard it as a home theatre?
8: I do, very much so. It's more of a home than uh, I ever had. So
7: When when you work um, and you get paid for it Do you pay any money to the Salvation Army? What's it all for you?
8: When I work myself? Yes, if I want, I can give so much to them. But it's not me that I have to. It's voluntary? It's voluntary.
9: My name's Margaret England, and I'm a lieutenant in the Salvation Army. And we have a a residential hostel for girls who've generally not had much of a chance in their previous lives.
2: Have they been in trouble with the law?
9: Usually that's the case, yes, and they're directed to us by the probation service. Uh, at present, we have ten girls in residence. We're hoping to have room for ten eventually.
2: And how long do they stay as the room girls?
9: That too varies. We have had them for as short as two or three weeks. Um, on the other hand, they've stayed for over a year sometimes.
2: Is this a rehabilitation clause for you? Feel?
9: Yes, um, we try to concentrate on, on all areas of their life, on the physical, the mental and the spiritual.
2: Do you sense a, a change of attitude in the girls after they've been there some time?
9: Often, yes. Again, it depends very much on the, on the type of girl that we have. It's interesting sometimes that when they first come in, they're very, very cautious and very, very insecure, very, very frightened of meeting strangers and new people and gradually they they begin to talk and discuss things with um, people who they don't know quite so well. I think one of the basic things you can see in these girls is that they're very very insecure when they first come to us. Um, They don't seem to be able to talk about themselves very much. One of the things we try to do is to help them to find jobs, it's very difficult as as you will know in a city like Dublin. Um, Very often some of them manage to get on ANCO courses which is for a six week or or a twelve week period. Um, But if if they are unemployed we try to keep them occupied within the house. They all have their cleaning duties to do each day. Apart from that we um, try to give them training in various house crafts. We try to help them to make their own clothes as a start to dress making. Um, We've done candle making, we've done tie-dyeing, we do cookery and baking. Um, Also we feel an important part of a girl's development is a pride in herself and the way she dresses. We try to show them how to look after themselves, how to clean their nails and cut their nails and shape their nails and how to generally make themselves look and feel more confident. Uh, if we think their dress might not be too complimentary to them, we try to encourage them to think about the way they look as, uh, as well as the way they act.
7: Myra, you're an officer in the Salvation Army, that means that you are in fact a Minister of That's Religion That's right, yes In terms of other denominations, or a priest if you like
10: Yeah uh,
7: Are you married? I'm not You're not Is it, what is it like to be a woman Minister of Religion? It's a very strange thing for a lot of people to imagine
9: Yes it is, it's an awesome responsibility really To know that there are lives under your care, which you can have a a large part in either helping to make or helping to break. It's no light task. It's something which can only be done with constant dependence on God.
7: Do you think it's something that a woman can do as well as a man?
9: In the context of the Salvation Army, yes, as so much of our work is practical as well as spiritual leadership. Yes, I am a spiritual leader for any of the girls who are under my care. But that's also in line with the practical and mental help I can give to them.:
7: So there are some ways in, that in which you can perhaps do it better than a man, because you're dealing mainly with girls. It might be more on a wavelength with them.
9: Yes, I think perhaps so. Um, the normal things that girls are interested in, um, pop music, fashion...
7: Doing their nails, you said earlier.
9: Makeup up um, Talking about their boyfriends. It's often not too hard to relate to that. I think it's a stage which most girls go through and having been through it, you can understand their feelings in it.
2: Lieutenant England, isn't it a fact that the Salvation Army encourages you when you marry to marry a Salvation Army officer?
9: If we're an officer ourselves, yes. And really that's the only way it could ever work. As officers we're subject to move when and where the Salvation Army guides us us to move, Um, they issue issue us with our next appointment and we, before before we, we are commissioned as officers, agree to go wherever the Salvation Army send us. It would cause a lot of problems if we had a husband whose wife was not an officer or a wife whose husband was not an officer and who had to be hauled around the country without that same commitment to the Salvation
11: Army that the officer partner had. Uh, My name's Loretta Fanning. I work in the hostel. I'm employed by the Salvation Army. The hostel's for girls on probation, and they generally come to us through the courts. We have had one or two who've sort of just phoned up, and we've put them up for the odd night. But um, I think it's going to be a bit more stricter now, and it will just be girls from the courts. Um, We can take about five, six at the present moment, but I think they're hoping to put it up to about ten. They're they're very trusting in a way, really, because with me I work here 40 hours a week, and uh, it is a basis, I suppose, for a friendship, but the sort of friendship I have with them, sometimes it's unreal, it can... One day I was out in the supermarket with one of the girls here and she just turned around and she was shouting at me to come over and see something and she called me Mummy, you know, oh. which made everybody look oh. around.
10: Bless.
11: And I'm only a few years older than them. And it was pure, it wasn't done on purpose. It, I know they do it now on purpose, but the first time it was definitely a slip of the tongue. And I think it's what they're looking for. Uh, my parents are both Irish, although I was born in England... Um, we used to come over every year, so I suppose that's what made me come back as happy memories of holidays. <laughs> but uh, obviously things are different when you're living over here as to when you're over on holiday. But um, both parents are Catholic, and I was brought up in a, a fairly strict Catholic upbringing. My mother is very, very religious, and I think she still goes to church every day, every morning, and has very close contacts with the Catholic church in our parish in Bushy. But, um, We go to Mass every Sunday. I still go to Mass every Sunday. If I haven't gone to one of the Salvationist meetings, which um, I feel that as long as you pray somewhere, it's the same thing as if I want to go to Communion, I'll go to Mass. But I'm quite happy going to one of the meetings. I feel there's an intimacy there that uh, makes it easier to pray in a way. I haven't been for a while now, but uh, it's because I think I'm deciding for myself that um, I have to take a stand on one side or the other and I think i I want to remain Catholic I don't think I'd be a very good soldier because I believe strongly in the Eucharist in transubstantiation, and I think if they asked me not to believe in it it wouldn't it wouldn't mean anything to become a soldier um, it's difficult to explain I think Believing strongly as I do in the Eucharist, to suddenly be asked not to believe in it because I want to be a Salvationist, and there's a lot about the Salvationists that appeal. I, I, I don't think I'd be a good soldier because um, how could I give up a belief like that?
2: So really, Loretta, you're not in the Salvation Army. You're employed by the Salvation yes, Army. Yes, yes. Could you tell us about that?
11: Uh, well I answered an ad in the paper and um, I think I was her last choice really because I'm only a few years younger, older than some of the girls here and I think they were looking for somebody a, a little more mature and uh, I, I, don't think, um, I don't think she was quite happy taking me on at first, Major Ralph but she, did, she actually said this to me afterwards but she said that she was delighted that she did in the end. That, uh, so I felt <laughs> quite happy about that. But uh, she was my first introduction to the meetings. I went along with her a couple of times. And uh, Major Ralph is like uh, maybe the, the lady you see across the road, retired or whatever. And you go along to a meeting with her and she's she's almost physically you know, praising Christ or our Lord and it was strange you know I sort of had to sit back and think you know these people are, are there and they're singing and they're, they're clapping and they're shaking tambourines and I go to mass on a Sunday and I'm, I'm sitting there and sometimes I'm not even there really and so since meeting them I've become more aware in the last few months it's become a, a battle really with I've, I've come to realize that in the true sense of the word I'm not a Christian and there's so much I have to give up to become a Christian it's it's so strange I hate to sound like one of those born again <laughs> I can't stand that phrase but it's almost true and you know you think of born-again Christians and and the word makes me cringe because you're thinking of people sort of spouting off and
2: For the very word salvation surely is equivalent to born again isn't
11: it yes, I suppose but these when I you don't think of them as um, they're they they're just like um, they're like Catholics. Like they have their own service. They um, they read the Bible every day. They they're they're very religious people. In fact, they're the most Christian people I've ever come across. So Obviously. E-
2: so even though you are not a soldier in the Salvation Army, but an employee, you have a great deal of respect for the Salvation Army. Oh, woman.
11: absolutely. I mean. I think um, a couple of weeks ago I was at Mass and the priest said it almost. He said, you know, make sure that you haven't been sold a religion and then when you get up to the gates (laughs) they're going to say to you, well, you know, you think you've followed a religious life but you haven't. And I think, you know, I was appeasing our Lord by going to Mass on Sunday more than anything else. I, um, I just didn't live... Uh, a truly Christian life and I still don't. I you know, I'll be the first to admit it and it's a very hard step to take. It's you want to discuss it with your friends and and you just don't know where to start because they're they're not part of of this group, you know. And I, I sort of almost want to go out and tell people, you know, look, you think you're being a Christian but you're not really
2: how do you think the contact of salvationists has affected your religious life?
11: Well it's made me a better Catholic. <laughs>
12: I've been brought into the Salvation Army from when I was a child. My grandmother, my father and mother before me were Salvationists. And when I was seven days old, I was brought to the Salvation Army as a baby. Dedicated, which is christening really, in the Salvation Army. I grew up in the Salvation Army as any child grows up in a church with its parents. I was sent to Sunday school and I was brought to the Sunday meetings. However, when I was in my teenager years, about, when I was about 16 years of age, I wasn't sure whether I was coming to the Salvation Army out of habit or whether I was coming because my parents were bringing me. And so I left the Army for six months and I tried to find my way in another church. But realising that the Salvation Army was the church for me, I came back into the Salvation Army and then I became a full member of the Salvation Army. I became a soldier within the Salvation Army ranks and there I came and I attended the meetings but didn't take a full and active part in the Salvation Army until I decided that I had to do more not only within the Salvation Army but for God and I became the core treasurer which is basically looking after the money week by week doing the books with the Salvation Army officers in command and generally making sure that things run smoothly. It isn't always easy to be full-time voluntary work within the Salvation Army ranks, not when you hold down a full responsible job like I do, which takes up eight hours a day, five days a week, but I feel that this is something that God has called me to do and if God has called me to do this work within the Salvation Army then he will give me the strength and the power to do it. I went, I go out into the open airs on a Sunday night with the band, I teach Sunday school on Sunday afternoon, I take an active part in the songsters on a Sunday evening, and I also, as I say, I'm treasurer, which means full responsibility for the money and for looking after the books within the hall.